Aloha, welcome to Talk Story, a podcast for the pilots of Hawaiian Airlines. I'm Communications Chair First Officer Sean Lee. I'm here with uh, Chairman Captain Larry Payne. Uh, Larry, what's uh, what's the news? How are you, Sean Lee? Enjoying good myself. Good to be back in the saddle. Yeah, uh-huh. you're really having fun these days, aren't you? Skiing and paragliding. Open new avenues for you. You don't know it yet, but I'm going to Big Bear tomorrow. <laughs> well, I know it now. Yeah. <laughs> Just wrapped up two and a half days MEC meetings here in Honolulu in person. Great to be back in person meetings again. Um, these WebEx Teams meetings have been great, but no substitute for being in person. And you had some pretty key meetings uh, with uh, management. Tell me about uh, how that went. We did. We sat down with uh, Peter Ingram, John Snook, and Jim Landers. For a change, the discussion with them was more on the upbeat uh, side of things. Um, things are definitely, uh, we are definitely exiting the crisis stage of this pandemic into the recovery phase. The airline is uh, is doing what they need to, uh, to help facilitate that. Things are uh, getting busier and busier. Bookings are definitely on the uptick. Um, they're hovering somewhere in the uh, 75% range, uh, and future bookings are even going up from that. So the outlook moving forward is good. We just hope it's uh, it, it, it continues in the uh, trajectory it's on right now. Uh, they were they were upbeat a little more. Yeah, they were a little more upbeat on That's this good. one than they have been in the past. <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah, you know, there, there's good things happening. They're seeing a return to, to, to travel from people. I think it's overall, uh, y- you know, you read the, the newspaper articles uh, and the analysts are saying that, that uh, there's definitely a, a quicker recovery, it seems, than most had anticipated. Uh, it's going to be whether or not the, the airlines can keep up with it, you know. Sure. With all the leaves and everything that have been given out, uh, it's going to be tough to to return as quick as I think they'd like to, to try to capture some of that market and block hours that they think they'll be able to, to capitalize it on. It seems to me that this pandemic it will be over as quickly as it started. It, it Everything shut down in the blink of an eye, and I, I think that uh, things come back as quickly as they went away. Yeah, you know, who would have thought, right? Knock on wood. Uh, it's It sustains the recovery that we're seeing right now. Uh, but everything sure would point to that. I, I mean, I think w- we discussed that, you know, by by May, you're going to have a relatively large population that's gone through the the vaccination process. That's going to obviously open things up. Um, you know, there are still some some regions that are that are shut down, remain shut down. But even those, I think, as we get further and further along here, are gonna, you're going to see a reopening from them soon. Uh, the NBC had a, a conversation with uh, uh, U.S. House member Kai Kahele. He's a Hawaiian Airlines pilot. You can tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, we did. We we talked to Kai on the phone. Kai was uh, he was actually in Kauai, uh, touring uh, around. He was in Honolulu. He had been in Maui, touring around some of the damage that had been done from the rains and the, and the floods there. And so he was uh, he was doing that. We uh, he chaired the House. Uh, Transportation committee. The the he he was a co-chair on the transportation co- subcommittee in the house the other day for uh, discussing the recovery from the pandemic, uh, with a lot of the leaders from that, including Alpha's uh, John Joe DePete. So yeah, a lot of a lot of good to have him up there. 
yeah, member of Congress. Definitely an asset for us to have there. Um, you know, you seldom have a, one of your own pilot members, a member of Congress. So we really appreciate the work Kai's doing up on the hill and, and it continues to do for us. And we have a, a, a very good relationship with him. Uh, and uh, we'll continue to work together to try to resolve the issues we need to get resolved. It seems unbelievable to me that we're just looking like we're going to exit this pandemic, and yet right around the corner we're we're getting, as you said, into Section 6, and, you know, that's a very important time uh, in our careers as right pilots. You know, it's right around the yeah. corner, and we're going to need the involvement of all the pilots in that, you know, the standard fare from section six is a bunch of polling comms, um, you know, and I was just saying yesterday and or the day before you say in NBC meetings, man, I long for the day that we can have a, another pub night, uh, yeah. with everybody. You know, I remember the last one, right, but we did one right before this pandemic started. Those were really growing in popularity. Uh, we were getting great, uh, feedback out of those and, Unfortunately, we had to put the skids to it. Speaking of pub nights and having pilots back, we have every pilot recalled back on property. We had uh, 74, then 69 pilots recalled uh, just recently. Yep, all 69 of them back. Uh, what a great thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, no downplaying that. Uh, the, as I said on the last all-pilot call, this MEC and group of volunteers never once stopped brainstorming ideas uh, and working to get those guys back on the property. Um, between that and the uh, pilot and voluntary furlough fund, I mean, those guys were always in our thoughts, uh, and the goal was ultimately always to get them back on the property, which now we've successfully done, which is great. I couldn't be happier. With the latest LOA, we have uh, furlough protections up until January of next year. Is that right? That's correct, sir. Hard to keep track with all these LOAs, and we'll have the... Uh, the author of many of these alloways in uh, Doug Grant in here a little bit, but they're, they're working hard. Oh my gosh. Those guys, I've, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I don't know when those guys sleep. I mean, uh, in a, in a three year MEC term, you're lucky because I've done one before. You're lucky if you do, you know, one or two LOAs. We did 15 last year in a year, in a year and you know, three already this year. So, and it looks like there's more on the horizon. So, you know, it's just a testament to how hard those guys work on the negotiating team. And they're kind of in lockstep with the grievance guys and a lot of stuff they do because it touches that. So can't thank those guys enough. Dougie and his team are working their asses off. What goes on behind the scenes that the normal line pilot doesn't think about uh, within the MEC? You know, I think the day-to-day stuff, Sean, is what consumes the most time. It's the the emails, the the working with the company, working with the negotiating guys. I mean, when you got that much going on, each one of those LOAs takes a ton of time to to create, to vet, to 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 look over. You know, Brett Eckelberg, our our lawyer, is. I mean, he's based in Seattle, but he's working as hard as anybody and. I mean, it's just everyday business goes on. It seems like it starts at, at five in the morning and goes till ten at night, seven days a week. So yeah, there's Some not of these there's not chains. really a yep. uh, a day off for us coming through the as weekend. It goes. Yep. Yeah, and um, I, and not a lot of the pilots realize that there's a ton of legwork that goes on behind the scenes behind each one of these LOAs. So much legwork. These guys have all worked. So even my fellow MEC 
compadres of you know those guys have poured their heart and soul into this. I I can't think. Why do them you do it? To. You know, that's a good question, right? You try to make a difference. You, I always said you can't complain unless you volunteer to to try to fix things. And um, I don't think any of us knew coming into this that we were going to be faced with this. Um, and we got hit with this relatively short order after taking office. And so uh, we had just created our strategic plan for our three-year term when this thing hit. And as I've said also before, that went to shit. Yep. And uh, we've been rebuilding it ever since uh, for the last nine months. It's been kind of crazy times. It's, it's strange with these three-year terms and everybody... Uh, the entire MEC gets elected all at once, so you could potentially have four new members. It's quite a, uh, it's quite a, a a time before things stabilize a little bit. It if is. If you have a brand new MEC, like we did this MEC, yep. it takes a while for things to stabilize, and it seems like things just started to stabilize with this group of four, and then boom, the absolutely. Hit. I mean, just getting your feet wet and getting up to speed on you know, and the transition from the prior MEC um yeah and this hits and now you're you're going from toddler shoes to adult shoes real no quick. more macadamia nuts and yeah. crew rest <laughs> exactly blankets it's yep. furloughs and yep. recalls and yeah and, and who, who would have thought that we'd have to deal with that again I mean yeah. th- uh, this industry was looking like it was going gangbusters right I mean people were hiring people were airlines were buying airplanes uh, you, you were a two-year tra- uh, upgrade to captain here at Hawaiian, I think it was down yeah. to, and in the blink of an eye, I can remember talking to John Snook, and he told me, you know, I'm I'm, I'm looking for three additional A330s to lease, and three or four days later, he was telling me he was looking for a place to park the ones we have. So <laughs> it happened that quick, literally. Um, but we're expanding a little bit. We got new routes now. We got Orlando. We got Austin. That's coming we, up. We are expanding. We uh, just had the executive brief uh, at the MEC meeting, as I said. Um, good news is the uh, loads on uh, Orlando are strong, uh, relatively speaking. Um, and the future bookings on it look encouraging. Uh, we start Austin next month uh, in April. Uh, and the uh, bookings on those are looking, looking good uh, forward. So that's good. And, yeah, it's always a, a positive sign when, when you're expanding, right? I mean, I think here's the deal. Airlines realized that they couldn't get out of this pandemic by simply cutting costs, right? right. you got to generate revenue. How are you going to generate revenue? you got to put bodies in seats. Hawaiian Airlines was smart. They went out. They figured it out. They expanded. Find a market. Find a market and stick to it. And I think, you know, I, I, in my opinion, I quantify everything I say these days by saying in my opinion – you know, there's probably some more expansion uh, to be had out there. I know the airline is looking at that as well. So hopefully that's something as we as we exit this thing that, that we can take advantage of. I mean, it's it's no secret Japan is still on lockdown. They've got a problem around the corner uh, in, in regards to the Olympics. You know, it's, it's definitely a prideful thing for them. They want to have the Olympics and, and pull that off the best they can. I don't know what that's going to look like. I mean, are they going to have tourists there? Are they going to, is it going to be a local thing? Um, I think they're getting to the point where they're going to start opening up. Korea is showing you know, slow signs of improvement. I think we're going to see some improvement there. Uh, it would be nice to see Japan open up and, and, and capitalize on some of that uh, Olympic are we, action. Are we doing Korea once a week? Are we doing more than that? It's just once a week. Once yeah. a week, yep. And Japan is... Yep. 
Once and a week. Still, no. yeah. 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 Once a week still. And then cargo flying. Yeah. And then there's Australia and New Zealand. And um, the long-term forecast for that is that they're showing signs of recovery. They, they're, they want to reopen. How quickly that happens, we don't know. I'm thinking summertime. You're going to mm-hmm. see some some of that, and th- there's the Air New Zealand thing, you know, um, out of New Zealand. They've you know threatened to become a strictly domestic carrier, which would be great for us, right? If they do that, and um, it'll open that that door for us. Maybe fly a little more frequency to New well, Zealand. Even Qantas and their international yeah. flying is still yeah. a big unknown. Still up in the air. So there's a lot of unknowns still around this. It is great that things are picking up. It's great that we're we're adding block hours, getting back to some sense of normalcy, but there's still a lot in the world out there that's that's not coming back as quickly as, as we would like to see. Thanks, Larry. We'll take a break now, but when we come back, we'll be joined by Hal MEC Negotiations Chair, Captain Doug Grant. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's Sean. If you have a question, send a dart at dart.alpa.org where you can choose from many categories where your question will be answered within a day or two by many of our subject matter experts. That's dart.alpa.org. All right, we're back with uh, HAL MEC and Negotiations Chair, Captain Doug Grant. He's the author of many of the LOAs that went out uh, this last year. How you doing, Doug? Doing pretty good. What are you working on? I am reading the entire contract word by word to make sure there are no errors. Is that like that's something I would do to fall asleep? It is completely painful. Can you do an audio book? Oh my god, we should do this. We should do an audio book. An audio book of the con- of yeah. the contract. Oh, that'd be great. Because we don't have anything else to do. Well, yeah. <laughs> Section eight, deadheading. A pilot show. <laughs> Okay, it's section seven. Is the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, but we're not according have to your statement chair, earlier, it might be section eight yeah, now. That's right. <laughs> the way it's linked in Microsoft Word. Tell me about uh, the the experience of of being in your position during the pandemic and 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 the progress we've made until now. It's been interesting. I would probably say um, is probably the hardest one year the uh, negotiating committee has ever gone through. I mean, it was actually much harder than a section six full negotiation um, because of the challenges thrown uh, basically on a weekly basis to the negotiating committee and the MEC. Um, It was, it was definitely uh, something I never want to repeat. When you say it's harder, is it just the unpredictability of it? Is it just the, the different economic challenges that you guys are facing? What's what's going it, on there? It's actually interesting. It was not as much economic. It was th- being, things being thrown at us that had never been contemplated before. I mean, the uh, contracts across the board, not just our contract, don't have never contemplated the idea of having 90% of the workforce not working. Um, that's, I, I think when these guys are presented with things, they, you know, have to come up with an idea, take that idea to concept and then concept to implementation. And that seems like an easy thing. I can tell you, I haven't watched these guys do it for the last year there. It's, 
there's nothing about it that's easy, especially in within the airline regime. There's so many moving parts to things that have to be contemplated that it's just the smallest thing can create. It may touch 20 other things, right? Sure. So that, that it's, there's so many things they have to think about when they put these LOAs together, and that's it, what takes so much time. And then having the further challenge of both leaderships, the association's leadership and the company leadership saying, we want this done yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Give us a quick recap for uh, those of us who haven't been paying attention about the whole uh, furlough recall process, PSP3, and what it took to get to that uh, level of 2103, the LOA. Well, I, I, it's, it's, it's kind of amazing. It's, it's not just the what we're doing on the local level, but the amount of work um, the association has done on Capitol Hill uh, to make sure um, the airlines were part of that PSP. Um, there were a couple of times when it was actually struck from the bill and, uh, you know, in drafting, not on the floor or anything, but it, you know, we have, that is one reason the ALPA pack is so important is anybody that's contributed to the ALPA pack. Uh, I can guarantee you in the last uh, 12 months, you've gotten your money back tenfold. I mean, if the fact that we had three rounds of P, uh, payroll support for the airlines, uh, the first time was what? Uh, for the for the passengers, I think it was uh, 17, 15, and then $14 billion. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's pretty amazing uh, for a small uh, sector of the entire economy to get that much support. And before PSP3 even passed, we had furlough protections. Uh, protecting those who just were furloughed from getting re-furloughed. Tell yes. me about that LOA and how that came about. So, I mean, there was there's definitely an interest on both sides not to have pilots furloughed. Um, the, the company does save a little money, but it it really it does do damage uh, to the to the whole workforce when they furlough people. So they had an interest in in keeping people on the property um of course they came to us with a pretty high value um for us to recoup that to keep those guys on and you know through negotiations um you know and the the instructions that were given by the uh, mec leadership we looked at saying okay that's you know that's not going to work and uh, but we looked at what the company needed um for the for this twelve months, because we knew it was going to be a rapid um, recovery, and what kind of tools did they need that um, you know helped out our pilots getting back in the aircraft, helped the company out at the same time, and then also at the same time get that furlough protection. I, I think it's important that, like we said, with twenty one oh three, it's important to give the company the flexibility they needed as well uh, to be able to capitalize on some of that recovery as it came back, if it did come back relatively quick, that they were in a position and had people in position to capitalize on some of that. So they didn't give, give up market share to sure. Southwest or Alaska or, you know, who who probably, I'm guessing, were in a, trying to do the same thing. And, 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 that's, and flexibility is money. Right. I mean, that is... They just didn't, they, 
you know, you don't know exactly what's going to happen, especially in this environment, 30 days in advance. And just being able to have that flexibility allows them to, to grow faster, which was the goal. And the pilots want the company to succeed because if they succeed, we succeed. And you're providing them. We all, we all have a vested yeah. interest in that. I like my paycheck. Yeah. yeah. And we're seeing a little bit of recovery. We're seeing, uh, obviously, we have our recalled uh, furloughs back, but we're seeing new flying. We're seeing uh, uh, training events taking place. Uh, tell me, tell me how that impacts your um, thought process and negotiations going forward. Well, it's it definitely uh, we're, we're focusing on different things. We have Section Six coming up. You know, we have um, we negotiated a 365-day opener um, in our in this current contract which means our opener is in um, July 1st of 2021 with amendable date in July 1st of 2022. And um, that is abnormal. That is not a standard um, opener timeline. Most, I would say 80% are six month openers. Uh, But we recognized in our last contract that there is a lot of administrative items that need to get uh, done before you get to those economics. And so that's the reason we negotiated that um, longer uh, Section 6 opener. For those of us who are new here like me, when you say opener, it's the initial uh, the initial offering or the initial no, proposal? It's interesting. Um, we have very, we all, we, we fall under the Railway Labor Act, which has very um, clear rules. Um, some describe the Railway Labor Act as anti-labor. It was actually put in place by the railroad, railroad barons um, to, to uh, kind of put their thumb on the Pullman uh, unions. And um, so it does have some very, uh, you know, technical aspects to it. And that opener is a technical aspect. It's basically we have to send a letter to the company saying we are opening section six and we're going to start negotiations. That's all it is. It's nothing special. Well, I think it's important to note too, that even though they negotiated that one year opener period, every bit of that one year will be utilized. Just know that while all this stuff is going on, dealing with COVID, the LOAs, getting the company, getting us back to where we need to be with the recovery, these three guys have already started working on section six openers. So now they've got double duty that they didn't have, you know, six months ago when we were doing this. So there's a bigger picture. Their, their, their work has actually gone up and will continue to go up now as we exit this thing and prepare for section six. The only nice thing is, is at least now we can actually, you know, plan our workload rather than, it's yep. uh, maybe we can finally put away the, the fire truck and actually just get the moving Better truck out. On wood, I don't know, you. dude. Don't say that too. Better early. knock on wood. <laughs> yeah. COVID 2.0. Variant. So, Doug, these LOAs and, and negotiations that take place have actual impact on actual line pilots. And uh, it must be interesting to see your work on the line uh, impacting actual pilots as they fly day to day 
I don't really look at it that way. It's, you know, I, you negotiate something, you know, we have a lot of input from a lot of different people when we negotiate on our side of the table. And, uh, you know, the, 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 th the thing I fear most is actually not how it interacts with the line pilot, but that the company actually abides by it. And, you know, having an agreement that doesn't generate grievances that is being utilized because every pile is different. You, you, you know, you can have a paragraph that can be uh, a benefit to one pilot's attitude or experiences. And that exact same paragraph could actually be negative to another guy because he's got different interests. So, sure. so it's, um, you know, it's, it is nice hearing, uh, from line pilots, um, about what their experiences with the language that you write. Uh, but my number one goal is to make sure that the, uh, you know, we write good language that the company abides by. And the contract touches everything. It's from vacation to pay, to parking, to locker room. We just had a locker room, uh, issue come up uh, in the last few months, uh, Larry. Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, what's uh, what's what what happened? Let's let's kind of recap it and uh, oh boy. Go over it. So the state and the TSA got into a Donnybrook about the way things were being done. There was an audit performed on the AOA office in Honolulu that exposed a few things, um, and out of that audit came uh, a few things, one of which was it, the need or no need to have a cited badge. company reviewed that. Um, having that cited badge would come at a cost of having to watch a film, do some training. That incurs a cost to the company. The company weighed the risk-reward of this, whether they needed us to have cited badges, they decided that they were going to do away with cited badges. Well, also the uh, the cost of administration, too. The administration cost, yeah. It's pretty Definitely. High. was was very high. So they went down this path. Uh, they approached us. Um, of course, we have contractual language that certain things we need as far as locker room lounge issues go. Uh, we have an arbitrated award as far as our lounge goes. We need access to a locker room. We have something here that a lot of uh, other airlines don't have, and that is with our inner island operation. Those guys fly essentially kind of a banker's hours program, so they, it, it's good for them to have a locker room. So there's definitely an interest for us to maintain that locker room. So we started looking at that, put Doug and his team to work on that. Um, we came up with uh, the LOA, it was 2102, I think, Yeah, was the locker room. Uh lounge issue. And out of that came the commissary access and then the garden access. I'm happy to report, uh, shockingly, uh, that the commissary access with the gin code was effective the 15th, so a few days ago. And I've been told it's operating uh, swimmingly. Nice. And the garden access door to the locker room will be uh, implemented on April 1st. It'll be good to go, and it's definitely on track. Uh, this is the quickest I've seen the company move on anything. Why is this locker room? What 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 was the magic? So you know, most things kind of most negotiations start out at the middle management, if you want to call it that. 
uh, this negotiation, for both sides, uh, this was kind of a top-down negotiation that started with um, John Snook and Larry Payne. And it kind of went down to the, you know, down towards the, yeah. the worker bees rather than the workers bees slowly bringing I, I actually up. asked that question the other day of, of somebody. I said, how did this happen so fast? And they said, well, that's what happened when happens when John Snook is in charge of something. So take that for what it's worth. Um, especially, and, and having grown up in, in, on Oahu particularly, especially for a construction project to have moved that quickly is astonishing to me. Well, our initial, our initial idea was a late night weekend, uh, extravaganza with a case of beer and a cement saw that we would have put a, <laughs> put, a, put a, put a hole in the wall. Yeah. So actually what we thought <laughs> we could do, Unfortunately, all Doug's tools are in Maine. So what we thought we could do in about six hours is probably taking the company about a month and a half. Well, re- re- the, re- the real secret sauce here was Craig K, too, I'm sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Craig put a lot of hard work in. And, you know, I think with the with Malka Terminal around the corner, you know, getting ready to open, I think the company has a pretty good relationship with airports. Yeah. And that doesn't, they were there in that, there constructing uh, uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that doesn't hurt. Yeah, yeah. There's more to the contract than just uh, locker rooms and, and part of uh, the process where we add or remove or amend things within the contract is section six, which you mentioned is just around the corner. Uh, tell us a little bit about that process. Tell us what goes into your wish list when you approach the company uh, for uh, asking for improvements in the pilot contract. So I don't actually have a wish list. The pilots have a wish list. And, uh, you know, we will be conducting some polling in the next couple of weeks. And that polling uh, really is information gathering for the, the MEC, the union leadership, to hear. And then they take that information and they come down to us and say, okay, this is what the, the, the pilots want. This is what the, the goals are. And uh, it, it is a unique, um, uh, a unique structure. I mean, there's a lot of unions out there that you know the the membership never gets to say exactly what they want they get told hey this is what we negotiated for you do you like it or not um alpa is very it's, that's one of the greatest things i love about working for this union and working for the pilots is they are the they are the ones that are telling us what we need to do and you, you know once again not everyone's happy um not everybody gets what they want but as a collective, that's the most important thing. And you figure that out through polling, like you said. We have so we so we have two different types of polling. We we have our web survey, so that's the uh, which will be coming out. So basically, Sean, your team communicates that out, telling kind of getting everybody to hey fill out that survey that's on the uh, on the website. Uh, that's done through Alpa. Um, we do that internally. The other type of uh, polling we do is telephone polling. And this is a much more scientific method. Uh, and we'll be also doing that coming up pretty soon. And this is where it's a true, this is how we truly get our metrics. 
and it's a randomized um, selection and they have their demographics and then we have a professional pollster that reads all the data and creates the questions and that is probably one of the most important ways um, to to gather information and the next way we get it is I know we can't do our pub events right now but we will be uh, hopefully very soon having pub events and, and hearing from the pilots on a on a face-to-face -face level is one of my favorite ways to interact with pilots it's it's you do get uh, you not only see hear what they're saying, but you see the passion about it. You can ask the questions, and it's the, I, I think the second best way to gather data other than the scientific telephone pool. I think the overarching thing here is that no matter how it's done, it's important, right? I mean, it's the pilot's chance to have their voice heard. So even if I'm like a junior 717FO and I really have no weight in the day-to-day -day operations of ALPA, it's still very important for that person to go participate. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure your top choice, free dry cleaning, is going to make it <laughs> to the end list, but we'll see. Free dry cleaning. You heard it here first. Or free luggage. Free luggage. Free candy. And that's that's actually a good point, is is it's not about the pay rate. A lot of people focus on the pay rate, but it there's, there's a lot more to being a pilot than just the amount dollar amount you get on your paycheck at the end of the day. We have, you know, the, 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 the pillars is your, um, your compensation. That's your pay, your work rules. That's your days off. That's what your hotels, your meals, um, your scheduling rules. And you have your, you have your retirement and you have your medical benefits. I mean, those are, those are your core things. And, um, sometimes, I will honestly say in our last contract, we were the farthest behind in, in pay. But our medical benefits are pretty in line, if not better than some of the uh, properties. Uh, our retirement was, was okay. Um, we're now falling a little bit behind on a retirement. You know, most airlines are at 16%, um, going to 17, hopefully. Uh, we're still at 15 so, you know, it's, it's, it's priorities. And now we're actually on pay rates. We're right up there. You know, we're, we're, we've really tightened that gap. We, we used to be the anchor. We're no longer the anchor anymore, bringing everyone else down. Um, so we're right up there with everyone else. So now let's start focusing on some other things. Before I forget, uh, one of the things the MEC does every year uh, normally at an LEC meeting, unfortunately we're not allowed to have LEC meetings, is we elect our pilot of the year. Uh, I was uh, I am Bray last you year. You didn't you didn't really listen to me when I said I really don't like nope, to be. I it. didn't listen <laughs> oh, to you, there Doug. We, go. we didn't listen to you, but uh, we got to do it at this MEC meeting. Only like three hundred people, four hundred people listen to podcasts <laughs> anyway. So exactly, and uh, the MEC unanimously uh, made Captain Doug Grant, our negotiating committee chairman, the uh, twenty twenty pilot of the year. I cannot think of anybody candidly who deserves it more than Doug. Uh, I, uh, having watched him this last year, there is nobody that works harder on behalf of these pilots than Doug. And he's shown it day in and day out with his guys and very, very fitting uh, accolade for Doug this year. So 
Well, I appreciate that. Well, since uh, we I, didn't have an NLEC meeting, why don't we do your acceptance speech uh, here on air? Yeah. <laughs> I, my acceptance speech is I really don't like doing speeches. <laughs> I, I, am, I am a worker bee. And Doug's one that hides in the room and does his work. Yes. So, um. <laughs> As you all know yeah, that when it, when it comes to um, presentations, you're going to see a lot of Ethan and Rob. I am more than happy, as you all know from the uh, telephone, uh, all pilot calls. I, I enjoy question and answers. But for me to get up in front of a bunch, bunch of people and just talk, uh, not, that's not really my thing. Well, if you have a question uh, for Doug or the negotiations team, uh, send them a dart at dart.alpa.org under negotiations. Thanks, guys, for spending your uh, lunch hour with me. This has been Talk Story, a podcast for the pilots of Hawaiian Airlines. If you have a question, send us a dart or send me an email at howcommunications at alpha.org. See you guys. We'll see you next month. Thanks, Sean Lee. Thanks.